Welcome to If Blackbirds Were Ducks. I think it's really hard to get away from the clickbait like the what like well who does it it works the arrows work and they say that they even say that like their algorithm pushes like all caps and question marks and semicolons sure well (laughs) yeah and arrows and arrows on your stupid thing and faces What was I listening to the other day? Oh, it was a Barstool podcast. And you know how uh, the Minuteman, have you ever seen that? The KFC or whatever. He said that they started that in like 2017, but the Instagram algorithm wasn't uh, benefiting like single person uh, creators. Mm -hmm. And so he was doing a bunch of them and he just scrapped it. Well, then they changed the algorithm, and then that's when they re rebooted like a bunch of their little shows like that, like the one and two minute ones that they're doing. And that's when it like really took off in like 2020 when they redid the algorithm. So it's kind of wild to think about that. It was him doing the same show, but it's just because the algorithm changed. That's what sucks, man. It's not quality or how good your hunt is or how compelling of a story you tell it's literally just like i have to follow these random rules for whatever video i'm putting out and that's what makes it do better or worse yeah it's ah, it's, it, it's kind of gross right so the we uh it, it's kind of funny because i get that comment all the time about my videos like especially the ones i do really well with like artsy title and stuff like, mm-hmm. how does this not have more views or whatever? And it's like, well, I didn't stick an arrow in it, and I didn't say <laughs> we shot what, and you know, put yeah, my yeah. face on there, all weird. Like, that's kind of, th- but like, it would be cool to break out to where you doesn't matter, if, like it doesn't apply to you, that right? Well, and then the, the thing that sucks about it is that that's what generates your income to be able to keep doing it that's what gets you the most views that's what gets sponsorships you have to follow those rules or like be self-sufficient in some other way that you don't care about that right that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like the best it's the best way to put out of or it's the most quality of video you know right yeah i don't know where's the line between doing something you're proud of or <laughs> getting a bunch of views. <laughs> yeah. And I'm never like not proud of my video. No, yeah, I didn't I didn't mean to dog on you. That's but I am I am not proud of my titles and thumbnails. <laughs> you have to do it, man. I know. You have to. It's sad that you have to do that, but it is true. Well, we don't make the rules, just playing them, right? Right. But yeah, no. Go over to True Social or Rumbler or something. <laughs> maybe you Rumbler. can Rumbler. I looked maybe at Rumble. You can go over there. Isn't it Rumble? It's Rumble, right? Rumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked you at go. it. They have a really weird monetary system. Is there hunting videos on there? Yeah, you can put anything on there. But, like, if you put it on there, you can't put it on YouTube. I don't remember exactly what it was. It's like, you yeah. just change it slightly and put it on YouTube? Probably you could probably change it and then the copyright thing wouldn't apply. Sure. But they like want to own it if you put it on Rumble. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind of. Well, yeah. 
There, you can go over there with Tucker. <laughs> Did Tucker go to Rumble or whatever? Where, I, have where no, did he, I have no he idea. Got fired. I saw he got fired. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. cool, though. Like, it I was sitting there like, that's cool because he's fine. Right. Yeah. He's going to make it. He'll probably do way more views now. Yeah. Being like a Rogan or a, you know, talk show podcast guy. Right. And he did on having a million old people listen to him every night. Remember like Bill O'Reilly, how he left and he has a big following of like a certain generation. Yeah. And everyone thought that Fox was going to be garbage after that. And they just next man up and they got Tucker. Right. Tucker. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't come on here to talk about politics. I just no, but it's kind of funny that you know, <laughs> he did just right. get fired. And everybody, all the dims were like, oh, yeah, he got fired. I was like, so? That just means he can say yeah. whatever he wants now. Right. It really does. The dims. <laughs> the dims. Sorry. Now we're really, we're really yeah. politic. All right. Push pause. <laughs> Start over. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So you just had the uh, the BMSS. Oh yeah. You want to know about the Bob? A little bit. Yeah. Let's touch on it. Uh, it was cold. It looked like. It really was cold. So um, I believe this is the seventh or eighth annual, depending on on how you uh, count. But um, just a, a turkey hunt that uh started off as four or five buddies turkey hunting together the next year three or four more guys came along that we all invited and it it has kind of grown and grown since then for the last four or five years there's been 25 to 30 people up there um and it's you know it's really good hunting um we we usually do it you know in the middle of april and uh it's just a good time. You know, there's not all that much time when, um, when dudes can get out and get away from families and all that. I'm not advocating that you should ditch your family or anything like that, but I do think that, uh, dudes need to go cut loose every once in a while and be able to sell, tell a joke that you can't say in normal life in the office and, and, uh, joke around and hang out with your buddies and stuff like that. And, uh so yeah i don't know it's just kind of grown and grown and grown we killed um i don't know 20 some turkeys this year even though we've had a crazy spring here um like it snowed i don't know six eight inches um from thursday night to saturday morning on us up there and um so the hunting was you know pretty well garbage it was windy and kind of snowy for two and a half days straight but um, I don't know. It's it's always fun going up there and doing that. And um, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where everybody who goes to it like grabs you at some point in the night and they're like, When is this next year? I don't care. I'm coming back. Right. You know. So it's I don't know. You've been there before. What do you what do you well, think? Yeah, it's I mean, I- it's a bit debaucherous and uh it's not necessarily solely centered around turkey hunting there's a social and uh, alcohol aspect of it too no doubt oh definitely but yeah i think uh absolute riot of a time i think well like what you touched on like i think i'm very fortunate you're very fortunate in that we have certain positions certain jobs certain passions and i may get onto a tangent here about that too um that we've talked about often um 
that allow us to hunt more than the average person. Yeah. A lot of that comes down to we like to hunt more than the average person and have made it a, well, that's well, you, you know, you know, I've, I've always heard, told people that about you and a couple other, my friends, that I'm in, the, I'm in the lower group of this because I don't hunt as much as you do or as much as Basin does. Right. You uh, used to, but right now your job is a little demanding actually. Right. Right. But you've set, you just like hunting more than person B. And that's like hard for some people to hear. They're like, Oh, I like hunting a whole bunch. I go fishing all the time. It's like, okay. But then the next question is, is there watch your YouTube videos and see your Instagram and stuff like how's Dan get out there all the time. His, he must have an easy job or is, you know, funded by some, you know, shell corporation or something like that. And I just go, no, Dan just likes hunting more than you do. And that may be a tough pill to swallow, but He's literally set up his entire life, job, wife. And I don't mean that in that. It's not in a bad if, way. If, if, if you would have, yeah, if you would have been dating a gal in college that was like, you can't go hunting this weekend, you'd have been like, hey, bye. Yeah, that reminds you know? me when I started dating Mariah. Do you remember the second day of duck season on the first season I dated her? Yeah. He bought me breakfast. And wanted to give it to me, and I was hunting, and it was like a Monday, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she was pissed because I wasn't in town, and I was hunting. Yeah. And I looked at you guys, and I was like, well, this ain't going to work. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it is yeah. true. What you, what you said about, like, I do, I literally, every thought in my head revolves right. around opportunity and hunting. Neanderthal brain. I got, oh. yeah. I, yeah when i moved to nebraska have I, you have you disclosed your have you disclosed that to the fine people of the internet yet no but what am i in the 95th percentile as far as having neanderthal in me or is it 99 you neanderthal dna in you yeah neanderthal dna <laughs> yeah 23 in me really exposed my caveman Describes the little hump i have on my neck <laughs> Uh, yeah. But no, you know, like, like I said, it's a hard pill to swallow for some people, but seriously, it is that like certain people like doing it more than other people, whether that leads you to being a guide or to having a job in the outdoor industry or like for some people I know, like literally not taking a higher paying job. Oh, yeah. And, have, and having a more flexible schedule because that allows them to hunt more. Not everybody right. makes that decision and not everybody can. Right. You have kids and a mortgage and like I get all that. But what decision? What major? Well, decision we're. I was about made? to say we're saying that, but it really comes down to your decisions leading up to that point. That's right. And I hate to say it, but if you want to hunt a lot, you have to make have the to, proper decisions. You have to factor it in. Yeah, yeah, you have to factor it in. I can't think of a single decision I've made in my last ten years of life that doesn't revolve around hunting you coming know. to my mind first. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That, know. that includes any vacation day that isn't including hunting right. and fishing. Like, right. It's like right. thought out. Or, like, I, I you know, like for you, like uh, in your previous job, you, you had a real flexible work schedule where you could go in and work from 4 a.m. until 3 p.m. and get your 10 hours in that way every day yeah. and go hunt for five hours every afternoon. I can't or, do it like I used to be able to. Or, or right. 
which or, that's a little push and pull, you know. Or like some of our other friends have to go to work at nine o'clock. Well, they go walleye fishing from 5 a.m. till 8.30 and haul ass and get to work at 9 o'clock. Yeah. They don't, and that's on a Tuesday. They don't go sleep in, get up at 8.30, eat a Pop-Tart, drink their coffee, and go to work. You got to maximize your schedule. Right. That person likes hunting more than the person that went to bed late on a Tuesday and slept in until they had to go to work. Yeah, it's true. There's just a difference. Yeah. yeah. Um I I often get now, especially you must be loaded. That's my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. I I've been telling people you're making 10 grand a month. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's cool. Uh that's not what I'm making at all, but they're like <laughs> you must be loaded because you get to do all and all these hunts. And I'm like, well, what what do you mean? Like Okay, and then those a lot of those same people are the kind of people that think you have to have oh, a full Kuyu suit to go backpacking. You have to have a full Kuyu suit. You have to have top of the line, new this, own glacier this. Right. They're just fed the propaganda and they take it like it's a Damn. like it's like it's the COVID vaccine. They just got to take it. <laughs> so that's one thing that I try to get across to people that, I mean, you don't need all that shit. You need some things, but wouldn't you rather have gas and tags than stuff? Yeah. Right. No, that, that is a huge thing. Like the, the people that I know that are like the biggest grinders, whether that's fishing walleyes or hunting snow geese, or like there's certain gear you need, no doubt that'll make you a better hunter and like go look at my shed right now. Mm. There's every freaking waterfowl decoy. I can't fit another one in there. Right. Also, Any situation. If there's honkers on a pond, I got them. If yeah. there's swans in a, well, not in a field, if there's swans, I got them. If there's yeah. divers, I got them, you know, the whole thing. But it's cause I liked it. Like, I don't want to see something and be like, damn it. I wish I had, you know, two dozen floaters so we can go kill those geese on the river tomorrow. But that's that's over that. time. That's over time, though. Right. And you're right. a specialist. You really are. I mean, yeah, you yeah. go turkey hunting and duck hunting, but or and deer hunting, but ducks and geese are your thing. Yeah. And it should be for where you live. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's pretty good. There's a lot of good hunting deer around. And, yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You see, uh, in the commission right now, they're trying to open up an additional 5%, which they have the complete power to do um, for non-resident waterfowl tags in South Dakota. Yeah. The president of South Dakota waterfowl association was talking to me about that the other day. Yeah. You know who that is? Um, I should. Cody. Warner Warner is now the president. Yeah. He was talking to me the other day about it. Interesting. I didn't know he was. Yeah. Yeah. They shot, they, he shot, uh, him and another guy yesterday afternoon shot 63. Yeah. Pretty yeah, good yeah. for well, what's going on. He's been on them, yeah. Yeah. I interesting, yeah. Interesting. Well, the the um, Wildlife Federation um, wrote a big letter in, too, about how we shouldn't be doing that and that kind of stuff. But Yeah, obviously, as, as obviously right now, 
Warner did, and yeah, them. the the uh, guidelines. I gotta talk to him. Um, the uh, guidelines as for now for the commission is that they can increase it by 5% every year if they would like. And they haven't in a few years now. I I don't know exactly how many, Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, you want to give people the most opportunity without making other people's hunts worse, right? Wherever that maximum like uh, what are those called Venn diagrams where the circles intersect? It's like you want yeah. everyone to have a good hunt. You want the most people to have to be able to hunt and you want people to have a quality hunt. Where's the thing in the middle that has the most maximum, you know? So it's difficult. Like I get it, but I don't know. I'm thankful that we limit them now in South Dakota, but man, it could change at any minute, you know? Yeah. Look at North, look at North Dakota. It's the second most hunted state in the central flyway. Yeah. I think, uh, and North Dakota can be a zoo. Like, I didn't really care to hunt there much. I know yeah. it can be good, but I, I think you got to get away from the southeast for sure. Yeah. Well, just the big towns. The other thing that they have going for them up there is that they have the open lands, right? Right. And so... If you took acre by acre, the amount of places that a single person could go hunting in the state, it's way higher than it is here in South Dakota. So if you're going to allow a bunch more people to come over here, you got to find a place for them to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a pretty tough PR deal. Um, It's tough to to really take, you know, you got to look at at everything. Pretty tough deal. I mean, I oppose it, but that's pretty personal right For i selfish pretty reasons, selfish right. yeah. yeah i also i'm a non, to... i'm a non-resident and i firmly oppose it which is what's I, th- what's interesting too there's a lot of folks i know that are non-residents that come out here every year every few years that are all opposed to it and of course that would make their draw odds worse right that's a pretty obvious reason to oppose it but also it's going to make the quality of hunt worse for the people that are out here that do draw Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's a it's a real complicated topic. Like, do I think that we could have more duck hunters in the state if we made them go to the right places, and not everybody just goes to the bet the three best places in the state? Yeah, I think there's room for it. How you do that, I have no idea. Right. That, that's why. That's why the game and fish officials get paid the big bucks, Dan. That's right. The big dollars. Big that. pension. Yeah. Big pensions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, this is going to be an ongoing fight till we're dead. So, unless well, I hope so. The, the bugger is, is that we only have to lose one time and all of a sudden we're open and you're never getting them back. So, right. I believe we're the only state in the country that you have to draw for waterfowl tags for a license. Like, Obviously, there's like areas, all the WMAs and stuff in the South and whatnot. A lot of them you have to draw, but for like the ability to hunt in the state, I think you're right. Yep. 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 So that's pretty. I wish Idaho would limit their licenses. Wow. They do on most everything. So that's the funny thing is that it, 
for some reason, waterfowl just get the pass of like, oh, let them all have at them, you know, no one will care. Right. They right. migrate through anyway, they'll be gone tomorrow. Yeah. But for every, literally every other thing, it's like, oh no, there's only so many elk here. Like this is how many tags go in that True. unit. And there's so much of this here. Well, I mean, you could do the same thing with ducks. It's just yeah. way more complicated. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just seems to get, as far as managers from the state level, they don't look at money. They only look at money from the big game side, it seems like. Yeah, you know, it's it's always been weird to me of, like, you could ask any state employee and they say they don't make rules to make money or, or, or set licenses right, or whatever. Right, yeah, no, that's not, that's not true, they, actually. That is, it might not be the biologist's right. uh job to do that but somewhere along the rung of the ladder to governor somebody makes the decision on like geez we need a couple more dollars over here at game and fish or you know we can't do these projects or we got to fire this guy or you know it's clearly there's a budget issue for any game and fish for any you know anything well, that employs people it's gonna be like that so but where do you where's the line drawn of that's, that's charging a, a boatload for license or letting everybody in and having a quality of hunt still. So like, I've never heard this before. So anyway, in the West, you know, like elk deer, that's their moneymaker, right? Non-resident elk and deer. So I've always wondered why they have $45 bear tags and you don't even have to take out the meat. And the biggest thing that peeves me out about not taking out the meat is one it's delicious two you only have to cook it to 160 to get rid of trichinosis which trichinosis was in freaking pork domestic pork until recently when they eliminated all animal byproducts in their feed right right so i'm like well this just doesn't make sense because that's like saying no pork is too sketchy like we're not gonna make you eat pork when you buy it yeah, you know, right. when, when you shoot, when you shoot it, when you kill it, this it. Yeah, but I'm just like, I, so I've been trying to wrap my brain around it because Oregon doesn't even let you take the meat out of the state, which that's a whole different story. But I'm pissed about the regulation where you can just leave all the meat. All that you have to bring out is the hide and the skull. And it's seriously like my favorite meat ever. Well, I've talked to a few people in Game and Fish, and they're like, well, you know, why, right? And I was like, why? And they're like, that's to just encourage people to shoot them. Because they kill deer and elk, calves and fawns. We right. want to encourage people to shoot them. We want to encourage people that want to shoot them. We want them to shoot them back in a hellhole and say, well, I only got to take out the fur and skull. Because they're that big a predator on the landscape. And I'm kind of sitting there like, that still doesn't jive with me. It doesn't jive. It makes, it makes sense, but it doesn't jive. And I can't say that's like 100% why, but when fish and game people are saying that, it's like, hmm. Right. So that sense. must be the department's thought. And it is kind of funny. Like when you talk to guys, there's like hardly anybody that's like passionate about bears they're always passionate about elk and mule deer <laughs> right Stuff just you players. just you, know? you and the squad yeah 
stuff with antlers, right? Is what everybody yeah. wants. Because oh, you right. can tell what's bigger than the other. Right, right. Well, okay, but then why, why, why are we required to? They can't want and waste snow geese, right? That have avian. Can, can, can you just cut a leg off? Can you just cut a leg off all the ones you shoot? They got eating their, influenza. You know, supposed to be a concert. I'm not advocating for this. I'm just being right. the devil's advocate here. It's silly, I think, but right. So when I heard that, I was like, "That's why." But then they use trichinosis as the backfall to say, "Well, they have they was, get this thing." Yeah. Maybe that was a thing at at some point that made him enact the rule. Sure. And then they just kept on to it be, because it was there and they don't care. Yeah. But yeah, I talked to a dude who said like he was uh he was running dogs and he's like I took a nine of my buddies last year with dogs and only one of them wanted the meat. And really? He, and he took all of them and ate them all. <laughs> that's awesome. I was like, damn, that's sweet. And that's when I heard that. I was like, I'd be like, sure, but you're going to haul you, it out of here and give it to me. You want to <laughs> trade some snow goose for some, Dan? Just kidding. We, we better not say that. It's, no, that'd be bartering. Yeah. And no, no, I don't actually. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to trade. That's it's been a long time. I haven't had bear in a long time. That's good. The spring ones have been really good. I just, they don't have any fat right now. We're like a month oh, behind. Shit. I know you guys are a month behind too, but we're seriously a month behind from, for sure, from last year. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, ventured out on the lake by camp there this weekend. There was probably six inches of snow, 15 inches of slush, and 30 inches of solid ice yet. What? Mm hmm. My God. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. I'm really glad. I'm really glad I'm not coming until, well, shit, I'm coming in like a week and a half. I know. I know. Yeah. I think this weekend I'm going to go check that out. Oh, you are? See see if it's open. It might be. Yeah. It might be frozen. It's a good chance. I still haven't got my tags. I haven't either. Hmm. Well, whatever. Uh, Besides that, are you hunting turkeys this year? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for a morning this weekend. Knock the knock the dust off before I head over. I was gonna say good. I don't want you to be rusty when you come out. Oh, it's so hard. You used to you used to be the uh, the A one top predator on uh, turkeys. We're almost gonna have to limit your tags. Yeah, Uh, but. yeah, I was shooting. I was shooting over you a year for a couple of years. I was shooting <laughs> over ten a year. Yeah, and populations are rebounding everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and now, dude, these bears do—they have my heart right now. I think it's just the the hunt in general. It's almost yeah. not even the bear. It is though, because they're just cool. Mm-hmm. Where they are, the challenge, the danger, the sweat, the tears, the. But this year we've really hate to say it because I'll probably get my ass kicked next. Yeah, getting better at it. Right. It's, it's been really nice. And a lot of that comes down to um just 
Well, obviously we've learned these areas better, but we've just been in so many situations now that last year where we'd screw it up. Yeah. Let you know when to take a shot. Also turkey hunting or duck hunting, dude. Like you figure out how to set up when the wind is like this. And when one gobbles on the tree, you figure out where to go set up down wherever, you know, where he might go. It's no different than that. And that's, one I think now in life, at least for like local stuff, that's the most fun for me is figuring something out. Yeah. Like something new, a new spot. It could even be as, as simple as that. Sure. For sure. But, but when you go and do the same, like people that are just like, we used to kill turkeys, but now we lost permission on our spot. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's my favorite. Right. Yeah, it's like, I'm what are you talking about? Old yeah. grandpa died and had to sell the yeah. farm, so now we don't kill turkeys. I'm right. like, what, what do you mean? You only had one spot. You can't yeah. find another well, one? They're all over. Yeah, I mean, that's classic what we were talking about before. It's just like those those guys like hunting. I'm not taking that away from them. But if I lost a spot, like it wouldn't even phase me. It would just be... Okay. Damn, well, I got damn, back I lost the spot. Yeah, I'll have to find a new one again this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I have a uh I have a million dollar idea um if you want in on it. I'm always in the million dollar you, idea. You know, you know how um like Vibram makes soles for shoes and they're on like everything. I want to make beards for turkey decoys that aren't made out of black monofilament. So they don't all of the beard, all of the beards on turkey decoys are absolute garbage. They like stick straight out or they're like super shiny and like weird or they're made out of rubber. Sure. Do you think it it matters? No, but if you're going to spend $500, however much a strutter, uh, dave smith decoy is where literally someone hand paints every feather on there and then they have a garbage beard sticking off the front of it it's like come on i think i think there's a market there yeah definitely okay you're not buying it i mean a million dollar i don't know a couple hundred (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe i'll start dressing mine up a little bit before i go full scale with the marketing yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know what you want to put into your inputs, but maybe you could get some horse hair or something and bring something. It. Maybe some maybe some bear hair. Oh. Bear hair might work. Uh so recently it's getting into spring. I miss the prairies in the spring because I miss the migration, right? Um, but I'd rather hunt bears, I think, than look at the migration for the 40th time. Um, in town, we have all these urban nesting mallards that I'm pretty sure we shoot in the winter. Yeah. Has anyone ever done a study out there? Those are interesting. Yeah. I mean, so I shot those two bands I shot in like December or January or from right over here. So I think a lot of our ducks are very local. I think our big wads that we hunt over east a few hours mm-hmm. i think those are migratory but man a lot of these like boise treasure valley ducks seem pretty um pretty local so you get out by the flooded corn and the duck clubs and stuff so 
I thought that was pretty interesting, but it always sparks like my our time uh in in duck nesting research. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And how it's translated to you quitting your job and going to Delta. Yeah. Not, th not that I'm saying that was a hard sell. No, I mean yeah, for I mean people that don't know, I guess I'm I'm uh regional director for North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Montana, and Alaska uh for Delta Waterfowl. What that means is that all of the chapters, so we rely on uh local volunteer chapters um for the most part to make money for Delta Waterfowl so we can implement our programs. Um, but me and you got started with Delta Waterfowl. Well, actually, I, you're the one who introduced me to Delta Waterfowl, who I had never heard of before, except for your grandpa had been involved, um, not with the chapter, but going to banquets and as a donor and stuff like that um, while we were in college. And uh, I'm not sure I would ever even heard about him except for through you weren't you like the second ever life member or something like that well you said that you have the yeah yeah, yeah. you have the well it was in my name i did not pay for well, right. life membership. <laughs> right yeah but, dan the 22 year old college kid <laughs> bought a lifetime membership yeah and you said when you go to the office you see my name it's like one or two up there on the list yeah, kind of cool like the second one yeah which is really neat i think that's sweet yep um, but anyway, so it was, uh, 2012, I think was the first year that I worked. You worked there first. Yeah. Rudolph Water Brothers after my sophomore year of college, after my junior uh, it year. It was, no, it was sophomore, I think. Because oh, I had to go. Mm, no, because I. I I work I work for uh Game and Fish in Sioux Falls after my sophomore year. And then after that I worked for Delta the next two summers. For two years and then I worked the following and the following. That's right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um like the, the whole the whole thing was to do nesting research, predator management research in Prairie Canada, of which these studies have we're going before we started and are still continuing today of um predator management research um like i said in in north dakota and prairie canada there's actually one in south dakota not far from here um that's taking place this summer as well oh really but essentially essentially yeah essentially what that means is that um as a delta student up there there's a squad of us and uh, you'd split up into teams of two there would be a trapped block and an untrapped block generally fairly close together um when we were there it's like a township so six miles by six miles square right so on the untrapped block our goal as research students was to take a 40 yard chain between two four-wheelers and drag it back and forth through any piece of grass we could find uh along cricks around groves through fence lines on pieces of what most people call crp or just stands of grassland and we we every took pride in covering every every inch yeah, yeah yeah um 
at when that chain drags over them really low, uh, the hen that's sitting on her nest goes, oh, God, and flushes, of which we're driving, looking backwards like this. We see her stop the four-wheelers, go mark the nest, check it every five days to see if it's been predated or if it eventually is successful and the chicks, you know, get out of the nest and get to water or whatever. Um, vast yeah. differences in the trap to the untrapped block of the trap block would be somewhere around 30%. And that that is, now I don't want this to be confused with other trapping efforts. What Delta Waterfowl is doing when they do that, they're paying a very experienced trapper to trap from, say, February through the middle to end of July for and during the breeding season. And their job is to get every four-legged critter with canines off of that township and keep them off of there for the entirety of that time they're well, they, literally paid by, they're paid by their nesting success rate they lay the wood to, yeah to and, mammals. And, and some some very very good trappers um the guy that yeah. me and you got to stay with his name's brian um and i remember walking through a field with him and uh, we had a couple of nests predated the predated the day before or whatever, and just seeing him like walk through, scanning the field as he was going, and he would be like, two badgers walked through here last night," and we'd go another thirty yards and like, "See this? They went through here, turned right. That's where they found that nest. They got downwind of it. Like it was just in his mind of like he was that predator running around. Like that's what we're talking about here is like real." quality trappers that care about what they're doing yeah so anyway he takes it he takes it personally whenever a nest gets lost yeah yeah and a yeah. trap block for sure yep so trap block 30 percent. where we were in prairie canada untrapped block less than five percent nest success that means out of every hundred hens that nest there 95 of them the eggs get eaten and and sometimes the hen yeah, we were, well, we were looking at some of ours were at two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Just just astronomically bad. And we were in like Prairie Canada, southern Canada, a couple miles, a couple hours over the border. That area is notorious for having an abundance of predators because of all the abandoned houses, the newly planted trees the farming equipment that's around there that gives them you know they can stay in someone's hayloft for the winter like that kind of stuff it always wasn't that many predators on the landscape which is why there was more ducks however many years ago right but now because of humans we've increased the amount of predators by no fault i guess fault of our own but not on purpose right but that has an effect that has effect on all upland birds or upland nesting birds and i'm sure you know woodland nesting birds and stuff like that too but like what our predator management is doing is essentially just evening the tables and getting them back to where it was so interestingly across all of north america you need a 15%, 15%, give or take, uh, nesting success rate 
for all ducks. And this study was mostly done on mallards. And so that's kind of what everybody goes off of. Um, you need a 15% nesting success rate to just get the same number of ducks flying south Is it in 2023 15? as we had in 2022. It's 15, 14, 15. Yeah, it, it's it's right. Right okay. in that. I thought yeah. it was 20 for some reason, but 15 sounds good. Yep. 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 Right in there. And so and that, and that's just that's just hatch nests. So you got to think each nest average clutch size of let's say eight, nine for a mallard. Yep. Yep. Um well then you know a lot trickles down after that. So I mean, what's what's the loss on ducklings? Do you know, like, what's average loss? Yeah, so I mean, that's obviously like another added part to that too, right? That's I don't know off the top of my head. Brood survival rates vary, yeah. I'm sure, year to year yeah. too. The so yeah, the the biggest challenge is getting them out of the egg, mm-hmm. right? Most of the time, the hens are pretty good at getting them to water. Once they're on water, as long as you know there's some sort of vegetation on the place, like. They're pretty set from that point on. And nobody um, and it, nobody put pike in the pond. They're probably fine. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I don't know who would do something like that. <laughs> but, I mean, it's kind of crazy. You think that if you go on an untrapped block in Delta and Prairie, Canada, you're at a net loss for birds that are trying to nest there to, to actually fly in south for the year. Like, that number's going down. Yeah. Whereas on a trap block, you're, you know, you're well above what the average is. Now, that is a specific spot that has had terribly bad nesting success for years. If you would go out behind my house here and drag for some, you'd probably be in that 30% already, which is why a lot of our programs are focused on areas like that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's just the overall, like, Going up there as a student was, I went there for two years. Two, yeah, two of the best summers of my life for sure. Pretty unbelievable. Yeah. 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 They, I mean, I mean, we, we worked every day, but it was like fun. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, monitoring those nests. I mean, we loved waterfowl. That was our, I mean, still, we do still, but I mean, I think if you were like one to 10 waterfowl guys, we were on the 10 scale and, being able to do that in the summers was like a dream come true. Yeah, it really was. For sure. It really was. That was the only time I got to be a duck biologist was that, but <laughs> yeah, same dude. Which, I which mean, it's my goal forever, right? To be a duck. Biologist. I know. And then it, me too. There's just happen. like three of them right. in the state. <laughs> so, three of them and total this, and they all have at least masters possibly doctorates yeah and it, no matter what you do, unless they're retiring or get fired or are you know switching jobs which doesn't happen very often no you're probably not getting one of those jobs yeah that's a harsh well you remember how many people in college wanted to be waterfowl biologists like everybody that liked hunting ducks well, think about how many in college are still even. Yeah, dude. Anyhow, time in, in the wild, I feel it all. Well, <laughs> I mean, you are. Dude, I, don't, I don't use my degree. No, it's super but, helpful. It's super helpful to have my degree. To, and I, I and would I still would, consider yours being related, though. Obviously. And I wouldn't have this job at all if not for my degree. That's true. And, and where I went to school. Yeah, but. 
I mean, I don't really, I mean, I'm not using my soils class. I never took it. <laughs> I never took it. And I'm basically where, where you want to be. If True. True. Yeah. You're a soils guy. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, no, I think about that often. Like we're lucky to have the jobs we do have and still work, you know, in the field, if you will. But neither yeah. of us, neither of us have jobs. We, I mean, I never thought I would be a, my actual title is wetland conservationist. I didn't go to yeah. school. I didn't go to school for ecology or wetlands or anything. Right. School for wildlife. And that's what I do now, you know? So, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't looking back either. Most of it was probably me not paying attention or not even being at class at all. <laughs> right. I mean, it's hunting, it's but drinking, it's enjoying I, your college experience. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they did a wonderful job of telling us about all the different jobs that we may eventually get and what to be looking for. I didn't even know what NRCS was whenever I went. Yeah, dude. Well, e even the same as that, my senior year of high school, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I had heard about being a forester, like through some book I read or something like that. I knew I didn't want to be a game warden. Those were like the two jobs I knew that you could get like working outside, being a work. I would love, wild. I would actually wouldn't mind being a game warden now, but. Yeah, I, it takes a special person. Yes, yes and no. I'd probably be a pretty bad one because I'd just feel bad for all the kids and stuff, but for all like the high school kids being shitheads and all that. But Right. I don't know if I would because yeah. I'm pretty passionate about that. Like, rule I mean, the rules are in place for a reason. You don't feel bad about a 16-year-old getting a speeding ticket or... That's right, yeah. Hitting somebody with their car yeah. or well, stealing something. You can, teach people, you can teach people a lesson, right? Why... Dude, that is a weird thing. <laughs> There's people I know that like have a disregard for game rules, right? Yeah, but yeah. They, they like won't a, speed. Yeah, and it's like, dude, it's you're just right. Just a different handbook. Why? Why is that something that you can just slough off and be like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter? But I the speed, other thing, I speed all the time, but I'm not going to break a game rule. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're opposite, right? Yeah, it's the way to. It's how you wait. The glass don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 culture thing about like that game laws don't matter. That's a real thing. Yeah, like there's no. Well, they all know there's consequences, but they don't understand what it does. Although it maybe it's just one critter. But they don't understand what it does, one, to other hunters, and two, to, like, populations. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that some guy who poaches a deer out the window of his truck is affecting the population at all. But he ain't the only one. Right. You know, and, you know, someone sees him do that, and all of a sudden, the next day, a different guy comes and asks permission to hunt on his, his place or whatever, and he's like, I don't know. I don't have a great idea about hunters right now. Right. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't go out there because. Yeah, you can screw it up. I mean, you screw it up for everybody else whenever you make those decisions. Easily can, like in that situation or a trespassing situation. Or, yeah, it's just, it. it's weird how there's like a culture, though. Like, it's kind of an older culture, it seems like, where you like, 
like to get away with poaching. Like there's, there's definitely, I've seen a lot of it. Like I really have where guys talk about it and brag about stuff. And then you're instantly like, yeah, I'm not going to hunt with that guy ever. Right. <laughs> that's my, yeah. That's my go-to every time. Like, yeah. cool, cool, bro. Yeah. You hear one thing and you're just like, noted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and oh, no, the, I got I got something going on tomorrow. Sorry, yeah, yeah. my wife won't let me. Yeah, I'll, see, I'll, just use, I'll use the excuse that everybody else uses. My wife won't let me, or my kid's sick, or something. I don't have a kid, right. but I can just say my wife right. doesn't want me to. Your dog, your dog broke his paw. Poor wives, they just. I mean, I think most of them is their wife will let them, but my wife gets fake. Like I fake her. Karen all the time if i'm not gonna go with somebody i don't want to go with. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> she, so she probably she, just, she's a bitch she's my like, friend yeah, she sounds like a bitch yeah she sounds like a huge bitch that's super nice you know <laughs> benefit of mary and dan you need to be my scapegoat scapegoat for not going hunting with people that are sketchy <laughs> yeah but um yeah, anyway, anyway, so you yeah. you worked up so you worked up there a summer in North Dakota when I didn't. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I worked in Canada both summers. Yeah, you did. I did. Uh, and then my second summer I worked in southern North Dakota. Oh yeah, that's right. There were a lot of nests and ducks there too, like really good densities. And right. then and then I worked by Jamestown, right? Isn't that where you uh, were? I yeah, I lived just north of Jamestown at Arrowwood, I think was yeah, name. yeah, something like that. Uh, National Wildlife Refuge. I lived there, but so and then I finished that summer in late July, early August in Saskatchewan doing brood surveys. So that was oh, yeah, that was cool. That was a cool way to end because everybody got together at the end and did brood surveys and it was yep. kind of a little party up there. Yep, yep, that's a neat area too. Just way up there by tree line and all that, seeing all that, like kind of the place you want to go hunt snow geese, you know. <laughs> One of these years, Dan. We've oh, been talking about it since we were 20 years old. Yeah, I don't think I can go this year either now at this point or or assemble enough of a crew to go. That's no. the hardest thing. You can't assemble anything anymore. It's a damn pulling teeth to get people to go for a weekend anymore. Yeah. It's all, kids and it's all weddings. those responsibilities they got let get in the that's way right. that's right and we got them too our 21 year old selves to be ripping on us right now oh yeah it was, it was funny like, yeah. like this weekend i was like god i should really go bear hunting but then the next weekend on the next weekend i'll be in south dakota and then the next weekend i need to go bear hunting i was like i have to take all right i'll just go turkey hunting one morning you know right right yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a line in the sand for everybody. I know. <laughs> even me. And even me. And and it changes when you have kids and dogs and family. And now, yeah. Now, uh, with with all the editing shit, like you gotta make time for that at some point too, if I'm gonna Oh yeah. That. Which that is really for sure. For sure you do. That has really like Help me stay home more, I should say. Like, I'm not going on as many evening hunts. Sure. I'm really not, sure. you know? So, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. 
I get it. Or like well, I need yeah, to I mean, take it's... this weekend off to edit. Like that sometimes it's just the way it is for this. But one yeah. but the whole goal in the end is one day I'll have two minions rolling around that are editing and filming and that way if I don't have anybody to hunt with, I always get them to hunt with. There you go. Yeah, you're you're paid hunters. Yeah, that's right. You gotta go with me. It's your job. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, but those experiences up there were sweet. So yeah, we would like back to your thing about pulling chains, uh, flushing ducks. So like, yeah, the chain like envision goes across and between the four wheelers, uh, across the grass mostly. I mean, you're gonna find them nesting in grasses, some sticks and stuff. But the grasses and and that chain will actually just stay on top and not crush the nest. Right. Finding yeah, it kind of floats eight inches high above the grass. Yeah. And finding the nest can be kind of tough sometimes when there's like one egg or. Yeah. Interesting. We had a, remember we had a rule of if you stepped on a net, like when you're looking That's for right. a nest, you both hop off and man, it, it could be that the duck ran for 10 yards. Oh, yeah before it jumped up because it saw that heard the four wheelers coming before it jumped up or like a bluebill is grassland nesting and they have like a runway leading out of their nest so when you finally see them flying they've been doing this and paddling for like you know 10 yards before they finally take off so as you're walking over to it you got to be real careful not to step on the nest because it's usually pretty well hidden and like they'll take grass and like make a little canopy out of it right by them um but yeah we, the rule is always if you stepped on a nest you had to buy a case of beer for the group yeah which that was spendy there it was yeah especially as a 21 year old kid what was it yeah. like 50 canadian dollars yeah 40 40 50 bucks for a 24 pack of beer which which were canadian and u.s was about the same when we were there right yeah it was like right. 90 cents or something to the Not dollar. Like that. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah. 50 bucks. That's a lot of money, man. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> yeah. You remember we uh we bought those uh two liters from the hardware store yeah, that were like make your make them. beer kits. Yeah. Yeah. They were like three bucks a piece and they had a little yeast packet. Yeah. And you'd throw it in there, and after whatever, 14 days, you had two liters of beer. It's a heck of a deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pretty. Yeah. The, the beer was just a hot commodity. I feel like actually that summer we could get drunk off of like four. Yeah, we hardly drank. Yeah. I mean, you just yeah. didn't have enough money to drink. Right. <laughs> Which is really funny yeah. to think about now. Now, you know, like just to think of what we were making then was now if I had the expenses I had then we'd be drinking everything. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But, yeah, dude. I mean, so then like when we were up there too, like was it my first year when you were up there, we got hooked up with uh Chenard, who's the hen house guru. Yeah. Um, and he had us go check a bunch of the ones that were up there um, j just for a study or this or that or the other thing, right? Normally, you check them in the winter. Mm -hmm. um, but that further led me down the Delta path. Of after that summer, I started doing, there was about 400 hen houses 
already established in Southwest Minnesota, where I'm from. Um, and I started managing those every winter um, with help of friends or eventually my dad took them over when I moved out to South Dakota full time. Um, but essentially, I mean, uh, that's, those are the two parts of duck production for Delta. It's predator management and then hen houses, right? And so hen houses, the thought of it's like a wood duck box, except for it's on a uh, pole out in the middle of a slough. And so the thought is that it's way harder for a four-legged critter to swim out there, climb up the pole, figure out how to get around and eat the nest. Now it does still happen. Every once in a while, a mink will get in there. Avian predators get in there once they start figuring them out. But like the chances of a raccoon swimming 30 yards out into the slough, scaling a pole, figuring out how to get in the basket without the net, without the hen getting away. Anyway, we have uh, very good nesting success rates on those, Um, especially when they're established in an area. We found um, from uh, web tagging ducklings that if a duckling is hatched in a hen house and there's obviously some more in the area, she is more likely to return and use a hen house when she gets breeding age the next, the following year, mm-hmm. then like, then, you know, one that's not sure. So that, yeah. that's pretty interesting. So when you get some in the area and they start being established and they're successful, then you get more and more and more from there. Yep. Yeah. And, and then like, there's some places like those ones in Minnesota of, where say there's 30 of them on a slew and 25 of them are used every single year and they're 80% successful in there. Um, so you take that and you, if you just move those same nests over to the ground somewhere, it's a vast difference of, you know, even say 15% versus 80% in hen houses, you know, we know, that those hen houses are worth having out there because the nesting success is, you know, we're, we're throwing another 200 ducks south this year from just this one slew, just because some of them nested in those hen houses rather than out on the grassland where they can get eaten. Do, do the, is there maintenance required every year? Yeah, we, we try to maintain them every year, obviously snow, water currents, amount of ice. So, Ideally, they're maintained every winter, um, either by a snowmobile, on foot, or like some people have, you know, like a track ATV or something like that getting out to them. Some of them are, you know, three miles off a road through the middle of some big wetland complex somewhere. Some of them are 20 feet off the road, right? It, it doesn't matter much. But yeah, we so Delta Waterfowl, part of uh, the funding that goes into putting these hen houses up is that we pay uh, specialists to go out and maintain these and record if they've been used or unused every year, right? Um, and so what they do is pull out of the inside stuffing that the hen used last year, look through it, see if there's any eggshell fragments or a nest bowl or if they're down in it, or maybe there's predated eggs in there and, you know, they're like half an egg that got eaten and it's just half a shell or if they've actually hatched out of it, you can, it's just a slightly different thing. You can you'll tell see, you'll see the out. membrane if they hatched out of it. Yep. That's right. That's right. Um, and so 
this has been research that's been ongoing. Oh, so back up. Anyway, yep. they restuff all the flax around there, put yep. new flax in there every winter. So when the ducks get back in the spring, it's all fresh and ready to go for them. They don't got to, you know, go find sticks from somewhere and bring them in there. I guess ducks don't really do that, but, um, but it's a, it's a, yeah. And, and I don't think we quite described it, but it's a wire. Yeah. 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 With uh, flax uh, in it. Right. Here anywhere, but yeah, so it's it's essentially two rings of wire that are about two inches apart. Inside of that, those that void is stuffed a bunch of flax. We use flax because it holds up the best during sunlight and wind and rain and stuff like that. It doesn't break down. Like if you think about old straw, you think about breaking it and just all crumbles into a million pieces. Flax has a lot of like uh whatever. Fibers. fibers running through it so it doesn't break down as much that's why we use that but any like upland grass big blue stem cattails any of that holds up pretty dang well um even just like hay grass works pretty well um so you can use any of it but we generally try and use flax anyway restuff it they're ready to go um when the birds get back in the fall or sorry in the spring yeah um, but again like those technicians are paid to go out and do that. This has been a study that's been going on from Delta waterfowl for 20 or 30 years. Right. Like we know exactly how many hen houses you have to put out to get X number of ducks, where you need to put them on what kinds of sloughs, how many can go on each slough, which way you should orient them to block the wind and still have a, a hen use them. Um, how many you can put on a wetland, how close they should be. Like we know we've done studies on all of these different things. What, what, uh, you know, you've seen the thunderstorm maps of, of breeding populations per square mile. Obviously those put in higher breeding populations do better than if we would put them in Nebraska or something like that. And I have chapters that have them in Nebraska and they're successful, but Delta waterfowl as a home base isn't going to spend a whole bunch of money putting them in Nebraska when we can quadruple the amount of birds flying south if we put them in North Dakota or Prairie Canada or something like that. Right. All of this kind of leads to our million duck campaign. Have we talked about that yet? I mean, we haven't on here, but we have oh, together sure. a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. So the million ducks. This is the, well, this is this is the bread and butter. So like these two studies are like the bread and butter delta studies. Yep. 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 And and so throughout all this research from predator management as well as um hen houses, we know exactly how to trap, like what the ideal trap block size is that four square miles is that six square miles is that 15 square miles we've done that research we know where to do it on this much grassland inside you know the trap block all this stuff the amount of breeding pairs right we've been tinkering with this for years and years and years now the million duck campaign is just an extension of all this right you hear million duck campaign the first time i heard million duck campaign that we're going to send because of delta waterfowl efforts strictly because of delta waterfowl mm. efforts we are going to send a million ducks flying south every year from 
first start date is 2025. It's going to take us a couple of years to get ramped up to this every year from then on. The first time I heard that, which I can, I see it in a lot of people of like, good joke, bro. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm like an ardent Delta supporter from the time that I was six. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah. I don't know if I like this yeah, yeah. number being thrown here, out here. Here's, here's the thing. We know exactly how many hen houses we have to put out on the landscape to get this many birds. Mm-hmm. Roughly one third of our million ducks are going to come from hen houses. Okay. Right? So right now, don't quote me on these numbers. These are round numbers, right? We have 10 to 15,000 uh, hen houses from Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, Prairie, Canada. By the time um, Million Duck Campaign is fully um, executed, we'll have over 100,000 from fi- 10 to 15,000 to 100,000, right? Wow. Yep. And so we know, so lots of money's going into this clearly, right? Yeah. We know how many hen houses it takes to raise a pair. The average is per hen house, 2.2 ducks fly south every year. That's pretty good. That doesn't mean that every hen house, that doesn't mean that every hen house gets used, but it means that whatever it is in a given area, one out of three gets used and they hatch a litter of eight birds that are flying south every year, right? Mm -hmm. It costs us 200, roughly $250 to make the hen house initially, pay somebody to go out, get permission. Some of these are on private land. Some of these are on state or federal land, get permission, install it, and then maintain it for five years. It costs us $250. So you get 2.2 ducks a year. Cost you $250 for five years. Yep. So it's 10 ducks, 25 bucks a duck. Okay. Now here's, here's some good math for you. So you need $25 million for a million ducks. Well, funny enough, it's way more than that because that's just just one part of it. Yeah. The other, let me make this point. Um, what what are what are land prices? Let's just say in Idaho, and then we'll talk about South Dakota. I have not looked at land recently. It depends on where. Let's you just are. say let's just say let's just say for farm ground or hunting ground, whatever it is. Let's say five thousand dollars. Five thousand an acre. Okay. The only why this is ruffling some feathers and making people raise eyebrows a little bit is because the only metric by raising ducks thus far has been number of acres conserved. Like you're thinking of, yeah, okay, you're thinking of duck stamp dollars, Fish and Wildlife Service, any WPAs, DU, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Number of acres conserved, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it takes 55 new additional acres to successfully raise one brood of ducks. Jesus. Do the math. Is that real? Like, how do how do yes, we come up with that? that? that that's been I. That that is it is real. We can okay. we can look it up. I'll, I'll, I'll no, provide. I, I'm, you not, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not I, like arguing. I'll, I'll that. provide you some links afterwards. I I, I don't that's have a the study. Number. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't have the study off the top of my head, but you have to realize that that's probably a nationwide stat too, right? 
Yeah, where it could it's, be. Could be. It's like somewhere in Alabama. It's, land, it's not yeah, raising any birds. Pine, pine country or something. Yeah. Right. And also, even here, let's just say the bean field, the side behind my house, gets converted to grass. Is that necessarily just going to raise a bunch of ducks right away? No. One, it might not be anywhere near a wetland, which has an effect on it. Mm -hmm. Two, it might be garbage grass or have a boatload of predators, avian or four-legged. Oh, it would have a lot of predators right by town there. So I I guess take it for what it's worth. Even let's just say it's 10 acres, Dan. Yeah. So, so you're talking about for one extra brood of birds. Now it's $50,000. When I just told you we can send 2.2 birds south every year on $250 or $25 right. a year, right. essentially. So, um, you have, that, okay. It's more of like a, a, a pinpointed approach than like a shotgun blast approach. That's right. It's quality. Yeah, we're, quality. We're hunting, over, the, we're hunting with a rifle, not a shotgun. It's quality over quantity. Really yep. is what it comes down to. You're and it, well with quantity aspects. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But instead of just saying, "Well, we'll buy some land and turn it into grass and leave it alone." Yep. So um, I don't have it's this. Man- it's piece. management intensive. Is the problem to, to implement? To Im- it is. It is. But we're we're willing to so. Um, before all this started, we were sitting at about 70 employees nationwide for Delta Waterfowl. When this gets done being implemented, we'll be over 120, 150, somewhere in there. And th- those are part-time and seasonal and all that kind of stuff too, right? Yeah. There has to be people out there that are doing nesting research and that are trapping for us and that are installing hen houses and all this kind of stuff, right? It's labor intensive for sure. It's not just buy the land, plant the grass. There it is. Right. Right. Um, so, so whatever that, that kind of gives you a dichotomy of a bunch of money for a small return, a little bit of more pinpointed money. This has always kind of been how we've worked too. We've had different programs that are more pinpointed that are your best bang for your buck. Right. Uh, just to touch on the other side of it, uh, predator management. Um, we're going to go from somewhere like 35 sites right now to 10 times that 300 and some, right. Mm-hmm. I've been on trap blocks before that a half section of grassland has a thousand nesting hens on it in one summer. Yeah. I've been on the same ones up by Eglin. Yep. Yep. And then now you take, 30% of those that are successful. And on some of those, it's 70, 80%, depending on what yep. the trappers are up to and where they are and stuff like that. Right. But let's just say, say you take 30% of the thousand. Uh, so that's 300 hens that are successful times. I mean, we're counting blue wings and gadwalls and mallards. So you're probably talking about eight or nine uh, eggs per clutch that are hatching right. and are successful there. So 300, you know, you're talking about, uh, I don't know, 300 times 800. What's that? Or eight, 23,000 approximately. Uh, yeah, 24. Yeah. yeah. Mountains flying south off of that one half section of grassland. 
Now there's another one a mile away. There's a quarter section up that way, all on this trap block, right? Yep. Again, what happens is if a hen is born there and is successful, she yep, meets man. a dude. She meets a dude down in Arkansas or Louisiana or Texas, or whatever, and she drags him right back to that same place because she, that's where she was born. So must be pretty good. Yep. And then it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing, right? And so you can see kind of with the expansion of this, how it is possible as we ramp this up, how that million yeah. uh, duck number is actually possible. It's not just like, oh, yeah, we promise. Trust us. Right. <laughs> be you a have. Yeah, there's definitely numbers involved it's, where you've it's yeah. thought out. It's thought out. It's just yeah. about raising the money. And that's why so, it's a campaign, right? Yeah, yeah. Interesting enough. Um, again, don't quote me. Uh, Two hundred and fifty million, approximately, is what we need to fund this program in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do is put it in a trust and take the interest off it every year to fund this, right? So we oh. won't be once once this initial ask is done. It's done and over with. Of course, we'll keep raising money, and I'm sure if some will be allocated towards this the, is uh, successful, obviously. right? This will will keep raising funds for it, and we'll expand the program, right? This is the initial ask. Um, so, along with my job, who works with uh, volunteers throughout everywhere, throws banquets. Like I'm sure most people have been to a Pheasants Forever or whatever like that. You go pay twenty dollars for your raffle ticket. You have a one in fifty chance of winning a shotgun. They draw it out. Someone wins it right like that. Conversely to that, at Delta Waterfowl, there is a whole another crew of guys that have a similar job that are in charge of talking to people that are wealthier, that are capable of giving a ten thousand or five thousand or way more than that mm-hmm. gift, right? Um, and so between private funding like that and fundraising, um, we're up, I mean, we're way over half of the 250 million right now. Um, and, and, you know, we, we launched this, we, we unveiled it to the public last July. So, you know, nine months ago, um, and and we're, we're already well past, you know, where anyone thought we would be in that kind of stuff, but good. um, yeah. So I don't know. It's really interesting. That's, a, that's our big deal right now. It's, it's, um, Delta is expanding. Um, it's pretty cool to be a part of really. Um, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's interesting stuff. It is interesting. And that was always the problem that we, everyone raised was implementation of both, yeah, yeah. Of, those, both of these things. Right. Yeah. Okay. We have these 30 years of studies that, Oh, weird. If you trap mammals, mammalian predators, the ducks do better. Kind yeah. Of. Right. But, but through that 30 years, all the data sets are now known to where you can implement it and have legit numbers, which is really cool. Doing it at scale is the, yep. This yeah. is, was, was always the question of if they could, if we could do it or not. And right. We're, we're going to do it. Like it's, you know, the, the funny thing is that uh, the mi- million birds is about what the Mississippi flyway kills every year. Yeah. So you could supplement harvest. Yeah, yeah, right. And everything that we send south is a young and dummy. 
Oh yeah. You the know, ones you want. People people care about shooting juvenile snow geese. Yeah. Like they, they specifically care, they because you can you can about tell the difference. Juvenile mallards. Well, most people do kill juvenile mallards and juvenile yeah. teal and juvenile. And they mallards. don't they don't know that. It's just like snow geese. Yep. That that's why when you kill a seven, eight, ten year old snow goose band, it's like something really cool. Yeah. That thing's seen a lot of stuff, you know, it knows how to avoid your spread. Or not... when you shoot a hundred snow geese, they're all gray. Yeah, right, right. No, it's exactly it. And if everybody knew how to look at a dead teal in their hand and see if it was a young of the year or if it was older than that year, they would all have like a way different opinion on what they're shooting. Yeah. And those tougher years are generally bad hatch years, just like a snow goose here. Yep. As yep. far as decoying them, I shouldn't say tougher years. Yeah. You can get screwed anywhere in the South from weather, but the years that people really bitch about birds being smart, a lot of that comes down to recruitment. People, are people oh, yeah. a lot of people don't think like that deep probably on it, but it, it really is something to think about. It's pretty interesting. Young, dumb, old, and sick. That's what, I mean, what it, the studies have, studies have been done on waterfowl hunters. That's what they kill. Yep. You, you like to think you trick a whole bunch of, you know, green heads every day that like you really yeah. got when you Big old them. smart like, mallards. Yeah. You you remember that flop that like circled up high, didn't come in and peeled off? Yeah. Probably like a six year old hen that was eating that bunch that was like, now nah, I see it, see him down there. That one guy, Dan, doesn't got face paint on. He looked <laughs> at me. <laughs> I've played this game before. Yeah. You always wonder. I, that kind of makes it, there's days like where you wonder if you're in a stage of the migration where it's more adults or more juveniles. Until you got a couple in the hand, you don't really you don't know. really know until you start checking. Which, for aging ducks, uh, the easiest way that would be the the V notch in the tail feathers. Yep. Um, yep. Because they haven't completed their first molt yet, so. They'll have a yeah, but even as the season goes on, that's way they, more they difficult. Could, yeah, in January it's, it could go away. It's it's it goes pretty well. I mean, until they get into their second molt, um, it goes pretty well. You can tell off tertiaries on tertiaries, their, but yeah, tertiaries are the other way. Yep. Yep. So yeah, pretty interesting stuff. I was thinking, I was thinking while you were talking just about trap blocks and everything. And one of the coolest stories and one of my favorite bands on my lanyard was from research. The oh, year, yeah. The year after you left, I was kind of, I wouldn't say in charge, but you know how it is. It's kind of like, well, you've been here before. These guys haven't. You kind of rule the roost in that area or whatever. And uh, I kept telling all these dudes, you need a band check dead hens because they go up to dead hens and they'd be like, oh, dead hen and turn around. I was like, band check them. Like, it's kind of a joke forever. Mm -hmm. And then one day, it was real late in the season in July, I went up and a mink had killed a hen and not even kill, not even sucked the eggs. Maybe like one. You know how they are. They're just like killing. Mm -hmm. And flip her over and there was a band. Blueing teal hen. I, I still have the nest card. I kept the last card for forever. I still have the Snapchat of you on my phone of you being all dirty and greasy with the band up here. Like that. I can remember it for sure. It was sweet. And Frank was real impressed. 
Yeah. That's what yeah, yeah. I went and showed him because he was staying in Aglinda at the time. Yeah. So that's cool. Yep. That was one of the cooler things I remember. We did all kinds of stuff. It was a blast. Yeah. Not to change the subject, but how are you? I know we talked about it a little bit before. How are you? You wanna you wanna talk about our upcoming turkey trip? Oh yeah. Yeah, I do, because I'm getting excited now. Mostly, I mean, I know it sounds weird, but I know I'm excited about the turkeys, but more to hang out with you guys than anything at this point. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Kind of funny how that changes a little bit, too. And well, especially when you move away from all your friends. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's well, even here, like, everybody's like, with that bear this weekend, they're like, oh, why didn't you shoot it? Why wouldn't you just take the gun and shoot it? I was like, because... <laughs> that's a weird Not statement a douche, right <laughs> so i'm like what who's gonna do that first of all and right. and then i said yeah i would have shot it but i mean that was his first bear and it's really not about pulling the trigger for me anymore not many people can get you, that out of their head either you, you know you know my thought on it you did exactly all the same things that the guy who shot the bear did the only difference is that right there. Yep. Yep. Other than that, you did literally, you walked up the mountain, you helped find it. You stayed behind the hillside till it came into view. Yep. You probably helped them range it and find a spot to shoot. And I you, filmed you, it all. Yeah. Yeah. All of the same things besides just moving your trigger finger yep. quarter inch. That's yep. the only difference. Yeah, that always it's, always it's always been weird to me how people like I had to get one or I had you know I had to fill. Yeah, my they say you're with ten people that I, all I even when I kill something if I'm with a group I say we got we. this not I shot this. Yeah. Oh, did you? Sure, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Kind of funny how selfish people are to think like. Well, that. don't get me wrong. It's nice to pull the trigger too, but yeah, you. Sh- in my mind, you should have as much pride of like being right behind your buddy and helping him get one as him helping you get one. It's yeah. not like it's any bigger of an accomplishment. Right. You just get to put it on your Facebook instead of theirs if, if you're so inclined, you know. Right. <laughs> or you just be like me and put it on mine anyway. Uh right. anyway, right. so as far as turkey hunting, are we gonna be able to float? I, oh, you're checking it out. That's right. I think so. Um, I, I think we'll be able to. I'm sure. I'm sure it's flowing. Even up where we were last weekend, um, had flowing cricks and stuff like that. So it was only a matter of time till the bigger stuff got open. Um, the gym. It's a, lot, it's a lot different where we're going to. I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, way less snow the last month and a half. Yep. Yeah. Um, the gym is was open on Sunday. Flowing good. No, oh, if the gym is open, then where we're going is open. I think I think it will be. Um, but yeah, our our plan is to scope out a couple spots that can be a one to two day night float and um and uh take off in a canoe, like two people in a canoe and one guy in a kayak, maybe in front of us or something like that. And um you know, he can be a little quieter in front, listen for gobbles on um, on the land that we can hunt, 
you know, pull off, maybe go up, go for a couple hour walk, try and call a turkey in, get back in the canoes, go float to the next piece, do the same thing. My hope is that we can find a spot to camp overnight. Um, whatever, you know, just in backpack and tents or whatever. Yeah, like a sandbar um, or something. Yeah, yeah. And then and then just continue the float the next morning and have a truck down there and you know, maybe do it for four days and drive back up to the top and start over again after the second day or something like that. Yeah. And the second stop, so we're going to do that for half the week. Oh, yeah. And the second stop is a known uh, provider of of turkey meats. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we... Um... Well, the last couple of years, we've been hunting out there and uh, it's not a place where most people would think there's turkeys, but started seeing them there in the fall and uh, tried it in the spring one time and got a couple and then have been bringing a couple people out there ever since. And um, the public land's good, but now we have permission for some private land down there yeah, too. Shout out, shout out to Josh and Corey on that. They really, yeah. wow. I've never seen yeah, anybody yeah. go that hard before. Right. For Before turkeys. going down there, you know, right, yeah, right. that was awesome. Um, so, yeah, should be should be super fun. Um, it's been a while since me and you have done like a seven day turkey tour. The yeah. first one we ever did, we 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 had tags in three different counties and spent like two or three days in each one, yeah. and uh, that was an absolute riot last yeah. time we did it. Yeah, we timed that really well, except for the last destination on that one. Yeah, but we still yeah. shot. What we shoot? We shot two there. You shot one. Yeah, and I, I, shot and one. I, that's right. And I missed. Remember, I missed one. Yeah, you missed one the first morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be sweet. Those are some of the. Those are some great memories. Just floating is what I'm most excited for. Um, floating, you know, would be we, sweet if we we used to float for ducks in college all the time. We'd have one one person, usually me, steering in the back, and to the guy in the front. You know, you just take the inside corner around each curve of of the river, and there'd usually be some ducks right there. If you came around a curve and you got like fifty of them flew up. We always had a pack of like six decoys and one mojo. You'd go hide the canoe quick throw the mojo on the ground and like five minutes later, all 50 would come flying back in. If you, if you ever come here, we have really good rivers for that. Are you going to get your floater boat? Floater boat? What floater boat? I thought you're getting uh Oh, getting a float. A float would be nice, but I do have a canoe now and that's what we used this year once. Right on. We just went and did the old canoe hunt, trafficked and shot them. Cool, but but you could easily just drift around and shoot them on corners. It'd be fun. I do have a I have a canoe repair to get done before. Oh, well, that's coming oh, yeah. up. Well, the yeah, no, the 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 one you know, the fiberglass one, yeah, is uh, good to go. I got a new one that's bigger and deeper. Yeah, that's right. You said you got it, and you had like, yeah, you got kind of screwed on the deal. <laughs> yeah, it's it was leaky when I got it. Yeah, but. It's all right. That whoever had it before me uh chopped off the tail end of it and put a flat spot for on a, it so you get a motor or something. Transom yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So you have a motor, it's just made out of wood, but it leaks pretty bad. So. Yeah. It's not rotted. The seal is bad. So all well, I have to do is, is get, get it out, get the seal, 
ready to go. Okay. And I should be, it should be, it should, it should be like a day or two project. No big deal. Just like your, your boat blind for your duck boat. That's more of a project because <laughs> of the boat. Knows. Okay. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. everyone's well, got I things do. that every, hey, everyone thinks. I'm the <laughs> king. I'm the king. Of, <laughs> I just went everyone's, up and did the gutters for the first time <laughs> since I've moved here. So every, everyone has things that they say they're going to get done, but yeah. don't actually. Yeah. I'm just trying to speak it into existence of the more I talk about it, maybe it'll, my friends will give me enough shit that I'll finally Public, get it done. Publicly acknowledge that you have a problem. <laughs> that's right yeah 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 like yeah like people that put on social media like i'm losing weight for accountability that's yeah i mean that's a bold statement to be like i'm not eating <laughs> more sugar i'm not drinking any more beer wow yeah oh sweet bold. yeah i'm looking forward to it i'll have the we'll have tommy there and it'll be fun same same, yeah, dude. We'll have to do. Uh, we'll have to do a couple episodes, or at least oh, one yeah. podcast. Oh, we'll do. We'll do a couple. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, all right. Well, cool. thanks for coming on, and I'll see you in mm, like ten days. Little, yeah, a little over a week. Yeah, not bad. Cool. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. Later.